Uh, welcome to the Proletariat Lariat. My name is Zachary Tolbert, he, him. Um, with me is uh, DQ, CB, and we have a guest. Mind introducing yourself? Hi, I'm Nate, uh, Chico, California, he, him. Yep, welcome. Uh, how long have you been a wrestling fan? <laughs> oh, since the 80s. I We got, in late 80s in Chicago, living in Chicago, we got cable at just the right time to see like six different companies filling airtime on sports channel and espn wwf and crockett of course but also awa world class even some global and glow wow yeah um how's everyone doing uh i won't be selfish and go first so i don't know like cb how are you doing hey uh i'm doing great actually uh well i mean Marginally great. Uh, I've been dealing with a lot of spasticity from my uh, disability cerebral palsy this week. Um, but, you know, it's the start of my birthday month. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. I'm also excited about the birth of uh, the Iceman Zach, <laughs> uh, which was yesterday. So happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday. Thank you. It was Monday, actually. It was uh, February 28th. I nearly was a leap year baby, which I'm Sorry, glad I avoided me. that because that would been uh, that would not be fun for a kid, I feel like, being a leap year. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good weekend. I got to hang out with comrades on Saturday at a bar I like to go to. Had my trivia guy invited to, who's just my friend now. He's not just a trivia guy. But, um, yeah, I had a friend from college that was nice to show bunch of comrades she's like the one non-dsa person that was there so it was nice seeing her and then sunday at my aunt's we went to a place for brunch i got some focaccia bread for my aunt which was nice then monday i took the day off work and went to see my family and they're all fully mostly recovered from covid which is nice since they had it i had a few weeks ago and now they got it from different reasons but it's a good time i got a weight scale uh, from my parents um which I did want, and then they gave mixed messages by giving me a big bag of gummy bears, which, because it's Lent today, uh, as, a, as a culturally Catholic person, uh, I just had to eat those gummy bears really fast, because I, oh. need to, I, need, I need to get rid of all the sweets, so I was like, the cake, the extra cookies I had, like, the last two days, I'm surprised I wasn't phasing through walls, like, from the amount of sugar I was eating. Uh, but yeah, that's it. I'm, it's dirty, I'm not feeling i felt an ache the next day in my hip is like oh man this is it's beginning <laughs> the countdown to the injury begins i want to hear from dq and see how he's been doing the countdown to extinction as megadeth would say <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> i'm doing okay happy birthday zach and excited to be entering this birthday month with cb as we yeah. all go through our birthdays <laughs> an exciting time on the podcast um I'm doing okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just always feel like I'm in this, like, spectrum of burnout. Like, where it's, like, sometimes it's more intense, and then sometimes it's just, like, dormant and waiting for me to come back. So, went a little heavier on the spectrum today of burnout, but Mm -hmm. I'm doing okay. I'm excited for our second run-in with Nate, who I love goes back into the 80s. Like, I feel like... You predate me. Uh, I was telling the, the gang here, I was got on the Hogan train and then about uh, within a year or so, I was on the Warrior train. So I feel like you probably 
your fandom is is deeper than mine, which is wild. It was yeah, Hogan and Warrior were definitely two of the big names of my youth. When I was seeing all these different companies, WWF was the big one, obviously, as the one that was syndicated. It was on different channels. And the shows, they were produced so heavily. You could obviously see there were these big crowds and there was more money, so it just looked like a huge spectacle. And these cartoonish individuals shouting things that didn't make necessarily a lot of sense, but when you're a kid, lots of stuff doesn't make sense, so you just kind of roll with that. And then... They always got the win, so these guys must be really good, right? Yeah, but DQ, you had something to bring up for our first top, our big topic to discuss for a bit. Yeah, so I know we like to make like lefty analogies to wrestling. It kind of keeps the heart of this thing going. I finished the book Capital Revolution, Tim Hornbaker. Capital Revolution. So this was like the story of the Northeast promotion we came to know as WWE. WF and then WWF, now WWE, which I found out started WWWA, the association. But the analogy being there was always this conglomerate that like functioned as a union, which is called the National Wrestling Alliance, that uh, Vince McMahon's father eventually broke off from. But the tension in wrestling historically, like going back over a hundred years between promotions, was kind of the struggle of having a big tent, as we would call it, on the left side with our groups, where there's a room for multiple styles, multiple types of wrestling in this in this analogy. So I just kind of wanted to go around. I'm gonna I'm gonna write something on a, a review of this book and kind of the way the McMahons rose to power, probably talk about nepotism a lot and other things, but just curious how you all feel about wrestling as a big tent kind of manifests in a, in a, in a lot of different ways. Like we have our like technical or scientific wrestlers. We have our very gimmicky things. Like Nate was referring to these cartoonish WWF wrestlers. It kind of started earlier where McMahon Sr. would take like an ethnic kind of like what they would call like an ethnic superstar or someone to kind of liven up the fan base like the Puerto Rican fan base the Italian fan base and they would make Hogan even like with like earlier kind of like Irish Irishness to him Um, today I feel like it manifests a little bit with like we see more intergender matches we have the you know the kind of conservative end of the spectrum with like our Jim Cornettes who won't have any of this high-flying stuff or like this no-selling high-flying whatever we have people on the other end of that who are pretty much accepting and would would buy you know like a, a female pinning a male in a match so anyway without too much more exposition just curious how you all feel wrestling functions best if it's in a, under a big tent, or do you like it one way or the other? Well, since you referenced me, I, uh, yeah, one of the things that the company, which became WWE, all the different names was, was when it started out, when it was when the NWA was like a cabal or cartel of different territories. WWF at the time was the New York Territory. It it basically had big chunks of New England, New York State. 
at times it would go it, most of north if not south new jersey it could always run shows in philadelphia and eastern pennsylvania so it's just a massive territory that represented about almost as much as like a quarter of the population at the time so it, that, that territory had a lot of power and what you were talking about with the uh, different styles coming out there because new york city was the base appealing to that you had these communities the italian community the puerto rican community so you would get a lot of different guys from each of these groups to kind of encourage them to come out to madison square garden every month and see their guy and yeah and one of the most famous of course was bruno sammartino an italian american who kept the uh, title their title for over a decade selling out madison square garden every month like clockwork uh, I think on the modern show, where you, what you start to see there is because because now we we have these weekly television shows and they're hours and hours long. You need to see a lot of different wrestling styles in the shows. In the back in the past, there would be WWF style wrestling and Southern wrestling and Memphis and Texas and all the different territories would kind of have be tailored to what those crowds were used to seeing. So it would be look to that, but now it's kind of everyone's seeing what everything is. You've got to have, you want to see some flyers. You want to see women wrestling. You want to see big, powerful guys, and you want to see them all mix up. So, and also not just with the, the card itself, you need main eventers, and you need underneath guys who can put those the guys over to to then work with the main eventers. So. I think the one DSA tie-in, and, and I'll, I'll, I've been going long, so I'll, is just if we, if everyone in DSA with their different desires, whether they want to do elections, want to do street stuff, want to do mutual aid, could all just see that it all kind of helps and pull together in the same thing, and and didn't have to be a fight for resources, a fight for what they're doing. I think it would work a lot better than the way it does. Yeah, I was thinking like. Because I, I know about the territories just because from deep dives in Wikipedia. I, I just like it's the historical aspect of it is interesting, especially in Pittsburgh, because Bruno San Martino is famously from Pittsburgh and is like there's stories of studio wrestling. Like he's like an icon around here, but he was like the ethnic hero of like the Italian American community. And like Pedro Mar, oh, what was his name, last name? Morales. Morales was like the. Uh, I think he was Puerto Rican, or I'm trying to remember which. But I think, like, yeah, the territory system had its pros and cons. I think it could have been much better. It became very, like, cutthroat. It's, like, run like a cartel, basically. Like, the territory, like, wrestlers, like, they're the owners of them were just very, like, gangsters, basically, <laughs> with the talent and stuff like that, stealing from the territories and whatnot, which what Vince Jr. eventually did during the, um, I think it's. Eventually, he like in the eighties is when he first really started raiding the, into into like the territories, and I think we start seeing the change in style. Like we start seeing the melding of styles, like in the nineties, like WCW would start like bringing like luchadors, like high flyers from like make connections with Japan, and WWF did that to some extent, to a little bit, like in the eight late eighties. But then like ECW also was like a big part of like trying to bring this like grab bag of different styles and just like showing off and it's kind of interesting and we've seen it like develop in the 2000s like ROH also like he had like evolve for a bit and like 
it's interesting seeing them trying to like meld all these styles together. And sometimes they don't work out. And sometimes we've seen kind of like a return to form. Like you see like in the 2010s and 2020s, like you see like shows like Lucha Underground, which is very much a style of itself. It's like unlike, like it brings up a lot of different things, but it's like, it's very like Lucha Underground, Lucha Underground, <laughs> like in just being like a novella, like a, based off like a Spanish novella show. Um, WWE has become very homogenized in its style. Like you can tell a WWE event from anything because it's just very stylized. And, and I think like other countries have maintained their style of existence. Like Japan, a lot of the promotions have their own like quirks to them. Like Dragon Gate is a very like Lucha Libre influenced promotion. Uh, All Japan has the King's Road style. Noah also has the King's Road and uh, uh, New Japan has the uh, strong style. So, CB, do you have any thoughts on it? Uh, no, I, I don't. Um, you guys know a lot more than I do. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just happy to sit here and absorb the information that you guys are all yeah. pouring out right now. Yeah, well, like I said, I'll... I'll um, thanks for indulging me. I'm going to, um, like I said, uh, write up a review if anyone wants to go deeper on this book. I was just going to note, since you brought up a lot of J- Japanese um, promotions, Zach, I feel like Stardom created a really cool um, title structure. At first, like your barrage with like five different titles, but there's like a high flyer title. There's like a world title, tag titles. But there's also one that you can only win in your first year of competition, which I thought was cool too. It kind of... um. I don't know. I feel like it it creates like a mechanism to make um make it important. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but anyway, yeah, we don't have to dwell too much on it. That also reminds me of one other thing was the DDT is another like of itself promotion with very comedy focused and hustle was too. Um yeah. I can't wait for DQ for you to write that up, but I think it'll be really good, by the way. Yeah. And uh yeah, next thing we're going to talk about, just quick, is um, just a show I want to talk about personally because I was there. It was the uh, uh, Enjoy Wrestling's uh, season finale for their Striking Distance show. It was the main event, and also they had a really good uh, Evil Ono versus Edith Surreal match. Uh, Edith Surreal being... It was unfortunate. It would have been a really good match to see Life of Nyla Rose, but she unfortunately got COVID during it because it was uh, they were hyping it up when they first announced it. It was like two very like openly trans wrestlers that were very trailblazing and like being transgender pro wrestlers that they would have been able to like show off but Nyla got COVID unfortunately but Evil Uno stepped up and it was a solid match it was probably my match of the night that show I would recommend looking it up and then the main event was uh MV Young the champion of Joy coming out to Renegade Styx's Renegade which as a Pittsburgh wrestler, as someone who always thought like made colleagues and like create a wrestler stuff and used myself as like an original character, like building Pittsburgh Renegade is like the theme you should use for if you're doing a show in Pittsburgh, if you're a Pittsburgh wrestler, it's like the anthem of this town sticks is Renegade. It's like used at every sporting event, but he came out to that. So I got a pop at me. <laughs> I was happy to see that. And then it was, a uh, this guy, Mr. Grimm, who's a, Cool wrestling came out like a Baron Samandi gimmick with his kid. He has kids, and his daughter was 
looking like the happiest skeleton child. It was like very, it was very sweet, I thought. And uh, it was a casket match, which is kind of fun to watch, like a indie casket match. It's a very gimmicky type match that you don't really see in the indies sometimes. So it was just a fun little brawl. And then like there was some. I mean, Grim took a really nasty uh, uh, plancha into like the like into like the arena. Like he went down hard on that. Uh, hardwood floor of that former church that is Mr. Smalls. Um, I'm the young one, and it'll be interesting to see the next show, because they're going to come back to that uh, venue next month, which I'll hopefully be at. and I'll have more shows to talk about, but that's enjoy. It was a good time. I really like that accessible program, especially since I found there's like an evil counterpart Pittsburgh indie promotion now called Wrestle Pit. It's sponsored by Arkham Realty which is their slumlords. Uh, their belt is the Arkham Realty belt. <laughs> uh, and um, to add extra sleeves for people in the know, um, Mike Quackenbush is secretly, uh, might be secretly booking it. And if you know Mike and Quackenbush, uh, who formerly was like a big guy in Chikara, like he was like the owner of it. He had a big fall from grace for a promotion that was like a children family promotion. Like it was unfortunate. Enjoy. As far as I know, it's a good promotion. They're really, it's like they're doing exact opposite. They're very like queer friendly. Again, they like, I feel, and it's like, I think we brought this up my last bro. Like, I don't think it's like a rainbow capitalism thing. I think they're very genuine in how they promote like queerness and wrestling. They do a lot of like, it just feels genuine, which is what I appreciate. And I hope more of the industry learns from that and not the slumlord indie promotion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's it. I think we want to get into dynamite, which was the, what's the word for this. The uh, what did they call it? The go home show. The go home show for Revolution. I forgot my phrase for a second. Sure. Yeah. Well, the thing opened up on like a really, a really wild note. Tony, Tony Khan was out there ready to piss his pants because he just bought ROH, which if, if people don't know, it's Ring of Honor. This is another Northeast based promotion that had its last show at the very the very end of last year and kind of had this nebulous hazy concept of coming back sometime around Wrestlemania weekend which is in about a month but then this curveball did anyone else see this coming I mean I heard from the tea leaves that like there was like three rumors that with Tony Khan was hype he was hyping this up the past week about this big announcement and there was like three guesses I saw from people in the know and like stuff it was you're gonna be Buying the ROH tape library, which he, he did like somewhat, but like there was also New Japan Super Show, which I would have loved also if he just added that at the end, but that might be in, hopefully in the future. Um, and three was the uh, HBO Max, like making a deal with HBO Max to like have like a streaming service for all AD, AEW shows. And that would probably been big news because that, that would kind of screw them a little bit because like that would ruin all their pay-per-views because <laughs> if you just stream it like you can't really do pay-per-view well um so i was kind of like i've been hearing rumors about the roh stuff especially seeing roh talent like do stuff AEW talent especially since roh kind of like put at the end of 2021 you know it's kind of interesting timing too i don't know if y'all were thinking of this but this is right after cody left and ROH, I mean, this may not be fair, but this always feels like the promotion that got abandoned um, by Cody, by the Bucks, by Hangman. There was a huge exodus before AEW, the promotion we usually talk about, started. And ROH was getting so popular, they were 
playing like little halls before and then all these wrestlers started getting very popular and they it culminated in this joint show at the um madison square garden that i was at that they did with um new japan and then they all took off essentially and i know that money probably wasn't huge in roh it was enough to keep some of them there for a while and then they started AEW, and roh just dipped so hard and then pandemic so i don't know if it's finally coming back um what did you what did you think cb no i just remember that one of the rumors when uh cody left aew was that he's gonna go find another billionaire uh <laughs> and buy roh uh, uh so uh i guess tony beat him to the punch because he's already a billionaire <laughs> um yeah it's it's really interesting i am kind of concerned because the the aew roster is already stuffed to the brim of good people who are not getting a lot of airtime already so uh we'll see what they decide to do uh with everything um yeah it's, it's gonna be an interesting time yeah i just i'm glad that roh is no longer owned by sinclair of uh you know the yeah. evil sinclair broadcasting company where they uh if you guys remember they were there was that youtube clip of all the Sinclair-owned uh, news reporters are repeating basically the same script. Ooh. That's the kind of evil media empire that Sinclair is. So I'm glad that they're away from that. Yeah, it's... As someone who's just been following ROH since the beginning, it, it, for, uh, admittedly from afar over in California, but it's... I, I was also glad to hear about Sin, Sinclair uh, kind of being out of the picture, I think. For as problematic an individual as Jim Cornette is, you can generally trust him to say what he thinks is is the truth. And if you've listened to him talk about his whole shoot on that process, you can just pretty much hear the the, the conflict between corporate America and wrestling America when not overseen by Vince McMahon. As difficult as it's been at WWE, at least Vince is a wrestling guy. Sort of. Who hates wrestling, but that's... Yeah, <laughs> but he he, he, st- he still knows wrestling. No one in, at Sinclair particularly does or cared. And I think Sinclair had the money. They they could ROH could have been AEW years ago. ROH could have been AEW with Cody, with the Bucks, with those people. But there clearly just wasn't an interest in trying to make it that way. And I don't know. I think the question for ROH going forward is. What are the? What is Tony thinking about this? Is he thinking he's going to run it the way he's running AEW? In which case, I don't even see how that works. He's got six hours between uh, TV and YouTube a week of content going, live, of live content, and coming out in with AEW. How does he have time to do a whole nother promotion? If this is just something where he's the owner and someone else is in charge of running it, and by the way, he also gets the tape library, which for a possible AEW streaming service would be huge because it gives them something other than just the the three years of AEW to put on that. And yeah, the other thing just to note was that ROH, just before AEW, because AEW got in there, a bunch of their guys got picked out by WWE for NXT. And And this was after the run of taking... Steen and Generico and oh. and Tyler Black and all, all and all of their top guys, starting with Punk and Danielson way back. It's 
they they kept going and so many props to the guys like Delirious and the guys like uh, that kept ROH going even through the, the pandemic. Uh, mind you, I don't know. I, I saw a post from someone say they were so running out of gas when the the shows ended. We were about to get a one hours uh, episode of Joe Hendry's best matches. <laughs> uh, I think if it if he if if Tony is just the owner and for example Daniels is booking that they put it into some under uh, under some of the the guys who have been there that already know what's going on there and then it but it gets a cash infusion to the other thing is that it, you, you talk you mentioned the, the AEW guys who aren't getting on TV right now some of them could go to ROH and I mean there's guys who definitely have potential for the future but right now just don't need to be in AEW they don't need to be on TV every week and they're, they're not in a position to be there uh, I just wanted to pick up on something that Nate said you know uh, Sinclair didn't know what to do with uh, ROH and um, I think that's a really salient point because we're living in an era of like really bad consolidation in industry and media and my favorite little tidbit about this is that um, Hasbro the toy company purchased Death Row Records like two years ago uh, and like for some I don't know why and they don't know why either because like they turned around and sold it last year to Blackstone of all companies. Um, so uh, it's just that I think people are, I think companies are just buying things because they think they can get access to markets that they didn't have before without realizing that it's going to take a little bit more work than just, uh, you know, you got to hire the right people to help you get there. So anyway, my little tangent for the evening. Like Sinclair, I think they just buy because it was cheap. Pro- like it's wrestling at the bare minimum could be very cheap to produce, and they want like some cheap produce. That's why they didn't put more money into it because it's like we don't need to put more money. We just do the bare minimum. They just want to do the bare minimum, not give a shit about it. And ROH also suffered because uh, like they were actually doing pretty good. Like they were like doing some good shows, but the- unfortunately the Booker was Marty Scroll, and then the stuff with Marty Scroll came out, and that like completely threw them through a loop uh, with uh, having to get a new book because like Delirious is booking by a certain point like people were just t- tired of it and then they had Marty and he had some ideas but then he got like exile he got just, like suspended and stuff and they needed to find another booker and there was also a problem they had like I think they had they had uh, Bully Ray Bubba Ray Dudley book which didn't help him at all because he's a bad booker uh, who doesn't know wrestling really well um yeah, but I'm, I'm interested to say they might get like Gresham because Gresham has also been booking shows. Like he has his Terminus promotion indie, and he might be a guy because he's also the champion of ROH right now. And he might be a guy that like starts booking the shows, like like doing like the internal booking. And maybe they'll just do like some events. Like they're doing Super Card of Honor for uh, they booking matches for that. And I, I'll see what we'll see what happens. It's a developing story, isn't so. Brian Danielson uh, beat. Christopher Daniels in a match that Tony Khan harkened back to the the first ROH main event, but, but this one left our our bud Loki off of the match. Loki is probably and gonna be, end up in that uh, promotion that uh, EC3 and Braun Strowman have started, Chud promotion. Uh, 
that's going to use the metaverse to be the first metaverse wrestling promotion. I like the match. It was a decent match. I mean, I like Christopher Daniels. It was nice seeing him after a while off AEW. Still, like, I guess he must have legit got his eye messed up from that uh, super kick from the Bucks that he has, like, a permanently bloodshot or blacked out eye. But uh, it was a solid, a solid little match. Uh, Danielson went over strong, and then they just uh, had Moxley come out and sell the pay-per-view match, which you have to do. And Danielson, like, wisely looked like he was going to fight, and then he just, like, rolled out because you don't want to give the audience what they want until it's the pay-per-view. I, I, liked, I liked the match. I mean, you could... Daniels and Danielson were two of the first guy, really real indie guys that I latched onto, and somewhere there's a in the drawer there's a Polaroid of me with in the ring with Daniels taking a picture from 2000. So just my going back there, uh, I would watch them have a match to to at where a loser leaves loses the Daniels from their name match, but <laughs> just be Christopher or Brian Un, and uh. The match, yeah, the match was good. Brian was put over as uh, strong as he should be, and uh, the face-off afterwards with Moxley, I kind of didn't like the that that Danielson sort of backed off. As like, I get it, sort of fits there, but they've kind of been playing this whole thing with Daniel. Is he or isn't he with Danielson? Of is he a, just a full-on heel, or is he just some guy, a, a, a really good guy who can be a dick? And this just came off a little overly and overly yellowish to me. It was just like it seems like uh, maybe it's supposed to foreshadow something that's going to happen at Revolution, but otherwise it just seems like obviously you know they can't fight yet, and I get that, but it, I, I I just didn't seem like it promoted the story that the match was going in, and it certainly doesn't. If I'm going to see massive violence between these two. Why is Daniels chickening out like that? Danielson, excuse me. Too many Daniels and Bryans around. <laughs> so after that, we had the uh, Battle Royale, which I actually, I mean, it was more like a Royal Rumble. I much prefer Royal Rumbles than Battle Royales just because it's more fun. Like, it's less clustered, like, to begin with. It's like, then you get some surprises, which our first surprise was, uh, Top Flight reuniting with uh, Darius, who's been off for a year of an ACL injury, coming back with his brother, who's eclipsed him in ways like since that injury, because Darius was always considered like the better wrestler of the two, and now Dante had like a really coming out moment in like the late summer of 2021, and uh, I think this match, as it went on, was eventually showcased Darius, which uh, it's good. Like it's your typical Royal Rumble. Um, teams come out there's some jobber teams there's some just fun now it's hard to have thoughts on it like until you get to like the nitty-gritty of it i don't know if there's anything stand out for people no i'll just i'll just use my my typical royal rumble format rant is that i hate these because they're the matches where people get injured a lot uh and i don't want to see that happen or hear about it afterwards so yeah i just look down on these matches i know they do they do them for a reason uh, and uh, but I just don't like him from that perspective. So yeah. The only Rumble I can think of that had like a massive injury is when Vince tore his quads, like trying to step into the arena <laughs> in the twenty. I think the Rumbles maybe just have less injuries because it's like they're not all in the same place at once. Usually you have like them coming in and out. Once there was like five teens in there, we're into clusterfuck mode at that point, and it's like 
they tried to get a couple things in, like with 2.0 pulling the uh, pulling in piece, and the, the again teasing the FTR Young Bucks standoff of hey, we people want to see this, and Jim Ross uh, chiming in, yes, people, de- we definitely want to see. I'd like to see a best of five in his very pointed voice of I'm talking to Tony Khan right now. Also, just R.I.P. for Brian Pillman Jr. who came out just as we were going to commercial and then got eliminated during that commercial break. <laughs> uh, eventually it gets down to the final three teams of uh, FTR, the Bucks, and Top Flight. And Red Dragon comes out to ostensibly assist uh, Young Bucks. They do it. They do. They help him one time. And then there was kind of a whole thing with... Uh, the remaining Buck and 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 Darius and there or uh, the last three of the two both of the Bucks and Darius and yeah. at that point Red Dragon didn't do a damn thing they were yeah. just cheering mm-hmm. but but you know they were there to help mm-hmm. yeah I think it sows the seeds for uh, them not like they they pretend they're helping them a little bit just enough to keep them close before they want to stab them in the back which. It's, it's a storyline, so that's building to that. And I think they, again, like bringing up Darius, I think they did a good job reintroducing himself to the AEW universe. Uh, that feels really WWE of me to say. <laughs> it's, it's so many years of it being drilled in my head, I apologize. But, like, they, I think he came off good and, like, really, like, I think he'll, I think Top Flight will be a team, hopefully, in, like, 2022 that gets a title run. Or gets in contention once the Bucks and Red Dragon, and once they start cycling out on some of these things. I'll just uh, second that I liked the Darius hanging in there till the end. I thought that was cool. And um, yeah, I do like the way they've been building all the intrigue. I'm, I'm kind of over it with like Bullet Club, Elite, uh, you know, will they or won't they all split up? Like, I'm. We just seen these guys like stay in a almost an eternal storyline through ROH, through NXT, and to hear and like maybe that's just all that's meant to be. But I, I don't care if like Cole breaks up with Red Dragon again, or like if the Bucks don't like them. They just get so many segments and like so. And Red Dragon was out again at the end. These we're talking about people who can't get on this show, and there's just like multiple segments with these guys but i am kind of like how's this gonna play out and who's gonna win i don't know so they've got me yeah <laughs> next was a segment with jericho hyping up his match with akins and really over really uh playing up the heel which i appreciate i, I don't like sometimes i was worried they're gonna make it wishy-washy i i like jericho just being a massive asshole and i want his ass to get kicked at revolution that's what he really sold me on that like akins and just backfisting him into oblivion into a Fozzie tour for the next uh, six months or something. Uh, but they had a weird thing with Pride and Powerful, fist bumping him. Maybe that's just a swerve they're building to, like, got your back or something. Because I feel like that's, like, a weird, like, departure. I don't know why they are cool with Jericho right now. I think we're all sick of Jericho right now. I know, CB, you're definitely sick of Jericho right now. Uh yeah, I just want to point out that Jericho is doing the middle-aged, you know, white wrestler thing of, like, dressing like a biker for his gear. Uh, I hate it. 
I hate Jericho, uh, and I hope he enjoys his Fozzy retirement tour because he needs to move on. So yeah. I, mean, I was like, think Bully Ray once he left WWE, it was like aces and eights, and then uh, like Undertaker had his famous big evil run. Yeah, there's just like it's just like a go-to. Like Eric Bischoff notoriously loved uh, motorcycles, as you know from like pay-per-views like Hog Wild and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Exactly. But- do, do you remember Chuck Palumbo? I do remember Chuck Palumbo from 2007, <laughs> 2007 SmackDown. Yeah, and the next thing was the CM Punk promo and MGF beatdown. It was an interesting promo. Punk using, like, gaslit. I think he actually used it in the proper sense of the word. I I think he did a promo. I was all, like, he did a good promo on this topic, which could have gone really south if it was in the hands of a person who wasn't, like, CM Punk as a good promo. Yeah, I think he did. I just, I pointed this out when we were watching it. CM Punk uh, could probably be an HGO in a a DSA chapter, given what he was saying uh, and how he was saying it. So uh, CM Punk, when you retire, you know, and you have free time, feel free to join your local DSA chapter and run for an HGO position. I'm sure people will enjoy it. Why do you hate Punk so much? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I was just curious too what y'all thought. Um, I feel like we watched. There were spoilers in the trailer, as it were. Like, how much more blood is going to be in the match than than what we saw tonight? Like, Punk's face was completely red. I mean, I do appreciate that AEW doesn't doesn't shy away from like the the kind of um, trope of wrestling. You know. Of, sometimes there will be blood it's it's a wrestling match and they're punching each other and running each other's faces into poles but y'all feel like what is there i mean there's plenty left to see of course but do you feel like uh there there were spoilers in the trailer or there was we didn't i didn't catch all of it but i think there was a pretty big kind of knot on his his head I think they they may not have been going for that much blood, <laughs> but that's what they got, and they're like, "Well, better run with it." MJF comes out, he does the hug. He has very spray tanned hand. The white suit doesn't help, but like it gives you a sense of what's gonna happen. Like white usually means there's gonna be a lot of fucking blood, <laughs> or like they're gonna go for a blood thing because they're both wearing white. It was probably a blade job that went awry. And for context behind the curtain, we were watching on Zoom <laughs> on share screen, had some technical difficulties just as MJF kicked uh, CM Punk in the balls. The next thing we know, CM Punk is like being choked on like a dog chain. Muda scales off the charts for this one. This is like Eddie Guerrero, JBL, blood uh, bath right here. He's just covered in blood. MJF is like smearing blood on himself. He is, uh, Wardlow's just in the distance. Sean Spears is like the one yanking on the chain, like hanging Punk. It's very visceral looking. He, <laughs> he dug too deep on that. It's just one of those things that happens. And, Hopefully he digs again deep for this. Like, I guess I can't go any deeper. I feel like that's when you get in trouble. <laughs> but I did like MJF, first of all, bringing up the, uh, one of the more legendary promos. Like he brought up the, uh, oh, the snake promo that CM Punk did just as he signed with WWE, the Summer of Punk promo from ROH, where he like did the greatest trick that ever the devil told. Another nice callback promos like ROH, especially like the Raven feud. But this was like CM Punk's, like, it's one of his legendary promos. So, again, really appreciative of the history they're showing. Next thing we had was uh, Thunder and Mercedes uh, 
Martinez versus Jamie and Britt. I was shocked at uh, uh, Rosa pin Britt. I don't know if Tony's like he knows all the tropes and like it's like the more like a very modern wrestling thing is like the formula is if the person wins the go home show that means they're gonna lose the match. So I thought it was a decent match. I think you kind of had to give the, the baby faces the win on this just because so many of uh, Brit's feuds have been kind of well now it's her turn now it's her turn now it's her turn that the, the Taikani feud no one in the world thought Taikani was winning and she wasn't so. And Rosa at least has some more history, and they've kind of built her up a little bit more. But if you're going to sell her as a threat, I think you just need to give her the win. That's mm-hmm. Especially in a tag match where it's not really Britt's fault. You can say, oh, she won because they had a better team than, than Britt and Jamie. I think you just have to do that. Whether that means she's going to win or not, I don't know. I think it's kind of the... I think you just can't sell the match without the babyface getting that momentum push going into this. So I was thinking, like, if they were going to do it, they were going to have, like... That's why Jamie was there, was to take the pinfalls. This will be, like, foreshadowing for the main event. They did a similar thing in the main event, which I thought they were going to do. Or they're going to have Mercedes take the pinfall. But uh, usually that's what happens in tag matches. So it's, it was just interesting to see how that went. I think everyone looked good in the match. I mean, yeah, we'll just uh, move on. It's, uh... We had Jade confronts... Ty Conte in the backstage. They're selling the match. Always good to sell the match. <laughs> That's more you could say. I think Jade really carries herself. I think CB, you were saying she looks extra jacked lately. <laughs> yeah, she was looking extra swole tonight. Uh, so good for her. Um, and like again, like I said last week, I really hope they have a good time choking each other uh, <laughs> next week. So. Oh yeah, and then DQ brought this up as the Statlander promo. Like, I wish Statlander was a better promo. I wish Leia Hirsch was a better promo to sell this match. It will be a decent match, knowing those talents. But this this program got really weird really fast with the weird personal history of like I know like there's blood views, but like it feels like a weird shoot thing that's like a Russo invi- invented or something. Yeah, just for if if you missed the earlier episode. Uh... We had called out Chris Statlander talking shit on Layla Hirsch saying, um, you know, if this is how you acted when you were a kid, then no wonder your parents made you an orphan. And it's just like, all right, like they're trying to get heat or whatever, but it's just like, okay, now I don't like Chris Statlander and I want... I mean, I wanted Layla to win anyway because she's so good. And like, I want—I'd rather see her pushed anyway. I think she has a cool wrestling style. Um, but yeah, and and especially like even in this like little promo segment, this wasn't even live. You know, Layla's getting like fired up, and they're you know now we talked about just kind of playing the strengths. They didn't keep the camera on Layla for like two minutes and force her to cut like a a linear promo or whatever like they're it's like they're playing this footage from statlander's interview and layla's getting pissed and she's like i i just want to get in the ring with this with with her you know and kind of similar to like punk mjf like let's just fight like i'm done listening to your shit so not only do i want layla to win but i don't know statlander come come with something else this is it's ugly so you're saying Layla's uh, speaking segments were too short? Ugh. Oh. And I never get the show again. Oh. Oh. Shame. 
for the viewers <laughs> at home, Layla's a shorter than the average wrestler. But that's that's kind of part of part of like it'd be cool to see it get pushed because we're so used to at least a WWE land, you know, like this the six or close to six foot model and looking, you know, fitness model. And, Mm-hmm. Layla's Layla has a cool look of her own, and we're mm-hmm. just not used to seeing yeah, people she's like, like a her. suplex machine. Yeah, right. She has that cool like power base, mm-hmm. but we'll we'll see. It's just not high stakes, really. CB. Yeah. Could, yeah. I no, I think I think Layla should join Team Taz and get mentored. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's... but you know, uh, I don't book for AEW <laughs> yet. I mean, something you said, they could have made it so much more interesting feud just based on the physical difference between Layla Hirsch and, and Chris Statlander. And it, if you wanted to go Statlander heel, that's an easy way to do it. She's just not taking Layla seriously, and Layla gets pissed off at it. And just so we get the pint-sized grappler, the pint-sized shooter against the big power wrestler and saying, you're not going to bully me. I'll get you down on the mat where we're the same size and then I'll beat your ass. As opposed to random references to being an orphan, like what that are not working in her. Yeah. Yeah, the crowd's gonna be dead for that pre stroke match, I feel like, because of this weird dynamic. Yeah, the next thing was a squash match. Uh, Wardlow just powerbombed Caesar Benoni, which I like because, like, Caesar is like a big guy. It's good to, like, have, like, a face squash like that where you just, like, say, like, oh man, he's a big guy. He's just, like, fucking pins him, stacks him, and wins. And then. He does, like, there's been development, because Chairman, like, Sean Spears tries to hit him with the chair, and Wardlow's had enough of that shit, like, I'm just grabbed it, and there's, like, I noticed there was really good facial, like, emotional acting, because <laughs> wrestling can be acting well, it's, like, part of the whole mystique of it, <laughs> is, like, uh, Sean Spears, really good, like, like, I could see, wait, I could see, like, the, the facade, I could see what his thoughts were, and, like, his hidden agendas and like he's like trying to mask his stuff again leads to the uh backstage segment where Loke confronts sean and then mjf comes up it's like if you win the title you you keep you can keep it but we know you're not gonna win it. and like that leads to Wardlow just finally saying enough to your shit and then mjf slaps him so and it leads to the weird uh storyline of Wardlow being like the bodyguard which is just i think it's just wrestling logic AEW presents itself as like a really realistic company actually i should say that there's a cult in this company i don't know why i'm saying that. it's like when there's like a cult there's like a satanic cult there's a lot of like Alien. cults and there's a satanic cult now that the old cult had to had to become baby faces dark order is the nice cult they're weird but they help they do mutual aid stuff they help out the community <laughs> like the friendly neighborhood gangster and the tv tropes like that's like the one i'm thinking of yeah and they and before the main event we had a uh, house of black showing buddy matthews now he's uh, he's he's gone with the attire already he's got like the black off look which I, I was worried about I was, he's committing to the bit joining the house of black he needs to look the bit too so like they just like sell it they come out one by one and they just go back and i, I appreciate that um yeah, and then the main event i don't know does anyone have thoughts on the main event uh no i i predicted this because it involved the dark order so I, I was like oh they're gonna lose uh and i was proven correct so you know all right uh but it was just it, it was just set up 
uh, it was a tag-heavy night because, you know, they have a pay-per-view coming up. They don't want anyone to get too tired or whatever. So, hooray. You know, it was a match. It happened. That's my review. I think uh, we, were, we were all looking for Reynolds to get the pin over Page or uh, over Cole, but it didn't happen. No, yeah, I don't. It was pretty strong. I, like I said, I guess I'm, I'm curious. I don't know which Adam's gonna win, and I don't know who's gonna who's gonna go with whom, and what what is what's the elite gonna look like? I'm a super elite. Blah, blah. Yeah, it's a go home paper. It's a go home main event where you just like have the big like setup for the next pay-per-view they're not gonna pull pull all the stops they tease a lot of stuff which is what you want to do but i'm jumping the predictions a little early here but just this whole page cole feud has just been a little underwhelming the setup has been kind of adam cole says things and now he's 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 the guy going up against the champion coming coming off that uh match he lost but it didn't count so okay an AW wins and losses matter except the ones that don't and I I feel like Paige has to win at Revolution just because wow what an underwhelming title reign if he if he, if he loses I mean they've been pretty protective of that belt they've cut they've had the title changes make sense they're on guys who can be at the top and, it, and it, even in Adam Page's case at least they kind of you could see where they were going with this from the start they've been waiting on this and maybe they waited a bit too long but there's obviously stuff that ha- that makes sense as far as with the elite and kenny omega if if cole wins but it would just be a period on a pretty dull sentence if that's how pages tell right ends and it, I, I, he kind of wouldn't I'd, I'd be able to recover. I think, and just barring a complete shift, that's just the end of him as a top guy in AEW. If that happens, bold take. <laughs> uh, yeah, we mentioned this I think last week, but uh, it's the whole dynamic of the the face getting the the, the title, and then kind of not as great as the chase kind of thing. Uh, that's why. That's why I think why Paige's uh, title run has been kind of uh, just underwhelming overall. So hopefully this this coming match will maybe pick it up. I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I would say like I don't think he's Mick Foley level because Mick Foley is legendarily known. Like he's like a, the ultimate like chase champion because like he would win the. He would win the WWF belt and then lose it the next month because, like, you couldn't, like... He's just, like, someone that just wins it and, like... He's not a guy who's going to win, like, month to month. He's always, like, that underdog. Like, you can't really be an underdog after you win a championship belt and you keep winning. <laughs> it's... <laughs> yeah, but, uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm not really underwhelmed by Hangman's reign just because, like, the matches... The title matches are just so good when he has them. It's just like the in-between parts that just feel like like he just has those really high points and it just like goes down again and it's like goes up. It's very like up and down. I think. I mean, the high matches were Danielson and Omega. It's like I don't want to say Adam Page isn't a good worker. He absolutely is. Yeah. It's just that, and maybe I'm putting too much weight on the Archer thing, which was just a terrible idea. Yeah. yeah. 
what, I mean, what, I, I mean it's different shirts for different folks, I think. Because like I just like the, the Archer promo was like a classic monster heel of the month type promo, and like I just like the match. Before we get on too long, we can like do our predictions for Revolution to finish out. I have the uh, thing right now. First match, uh, the buy-in as they call it, is Hook versus QT Marshall. This is the end of the line for Hook. He's gonna get uh, <laughs> gonna get buried, and then we're all gonna see what fraud he is. Uh, no, I think I think this is just a good like early crowd pleaser to get the crowd pumped because Hook will come out and just like do Taz moves to QT Marshall, and I'll be happy because I do like Taz plexes and all sorts of suplexes. Um, next match on that is a. Uh, Leia Hirsch versus Chris Tantler. We kind of gave up. I kind of went over that already. <laughs> um, who do you think is going to win that match? Layla has to win. If they have her get punked by Chris for being an orphan and then have her lose. Plus, they're finally just putting something behind Layla. So I have Layla in this one. Yeah, I'll go with Layla as well. Uh, I don't think Chris is ready for the uh, you know push um, quite yet. Like you said, she needs some more work on the mic. So, be the contrarian on this one, just because. Well, I don't disagree with anything you said. If Statlander is not ready for, on the mic, Layla is like <laughs> even more not ready. My thoughts with her, like I think, because Chris Statlander was like a contender last year and a couple of years, like a year before, actually just before she came back from injury. So I think this is like to establish. Like it would be good to establish Layla for winning, because like Chris Statlander is like in best friends, even though like she's acting like a really dickish heel. <laughs> But I think, like, I think Leia gets the shine here and gets, like, an establishment win. Uh, Jade Cargyle versus with Smart Mark Sterling versus Ty Conti. Yeah, I, I said this already. I hope they have a good time because we're a pro-kink podcast. Uh, you know, uh, I do think Jade's going to win it because they're going to keep doing, like, the Goldberg thing. You know, who's going to beat Jade Cargyle? I don't think Ty Conti. I don't think there was enough buildup uh, for this. It was just, like... Who's left? Oh, Tay Conti. Let's just throw her in the ring. So we'll see. I'll go with Ty on this one. I, 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 th- I think you're right, CV. Like the the countdown or the count up. It feels like they're going somewhere with that. But Ty just, I think she won like Wrestling Observer Rookie of the Year or like Most Improved. It was Most Improved. Most Improved. I feel like AEW kind of honors that. So maybe it's just with the title match, but. I just I feel like she's gonna get the Lance Archer syndrome because Ty already challenged Brit and lost, and now she challenges for this belt. I, there's just like a lot of I feel like there's a lot of reworking to get her back to a place where she can challenge again. The other thing that uh, coming out of Wrestling Observer Land is Melter said Jade Cargill moves ratings, and I think they've got something with her. I think. They're not going to be. They might want to do something with Ty in the future, but they've got something with Cargill right now, and they got to. They want to keep her in the spot that she's in. I don't think they're going to upend that train this time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have to strike while the iron's hot. And this is like a classic case. Like keep like the like she's doing. Jade's like doing really improving. She's probably going to win most improved for this year if she keeps her trajectory up because like she is uh doing solid work um yeah i think she's gonna win we're gonna continue it hey like 
I, I'm I predicting like, there's gonna be like some debuting wrestler because there's a bunch of wrestlers that are down the line that could debut to take that role. So I'm going with Jade. Uh, yeah, we got a six man tornado tag match, which I always love a good tornado tag. It's a uh, Andrade, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy, um, Darby, Sting, and Sammy. Miraculously, like I love Sting, like. And Seth Rollins broke his neck. I thought he would never wrestle again, and he's wrestling better than he was. Yeah. And even in TNA, just like he, that crazy old man, just like doing dives, like he is, he's like rejuvenated. It's like I'm glad that like we'll have a good time. I think this will be a probably a cool down match. I'm gonna say like Isaiah takes the job just based off like town or maybe matt takes the job here i like everyone in this but what even is this feud it started off with andrade trying to hire darby which then sounded like he was just trying to buy darby outright which from from sting which uh just for our american readership or listenership uh mexico doesn't have slavery it child buying is not a thing there also darby's an adult yeah. Uh, and th- and also we've got Matt going crazy just because because the, the uh, private party can't win a match. I don't even know where how Sammy got a part of this. I completely missed that. There was a TNT title match that got involved, I think, and that's where he got roped into this. Okay, that yeah, makes as much sense as anything else. Yeah, Sammy and Darby respect each other, man. So they're gonna they're gonna help each other out. I guess the Darby Sting Sammy team wins just to further Matt's continued breaking uh once again but none of this makes any sense to me. yeah no i was just my prediction is basically the same as nate's it's 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 probably going to be darby sting and sammy but it probably hinge more on matt hardy whatever the hell's going on hopefully andrade and then mark quinn i don't know if he's injured but if private party and they all just get rid of this looks yeah. way i don't understand yeah either. i mean be listening on like tea leaves of what's going on. It's like Jeff Hardy, like looks like he's AEW bound. I think mm-hmm. Matt doing some of this stuff is kind of references to Jeff. Like when Matt left the match, it was like a reference when Jeff just left the match and just left the company. <laughs> um, and I think like Andre, I think the Andre stuff and buying stuff is a reference. Like like in the uh, the Cody feud, he was buying the talents of like FTR. He would just buy wrestlers to work for him. So I think that's good. like yeah, that's a weird. It's a weird feud. I mean, it'll be a fun match. That's all. And sometimes when it's just like, it's a weird feud, but if the match is good, I'll, I'll buy it. <laughs> it's like a really stacked card. And I can't wait for the show, just to be honest. Uh, Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon versus the Young Bucks. Like, I feel like this is like where the Red Dragon will just like fuck over the Young Bucks and win the belts in a way that just directly fucks with them. I think like Red Dragon will pretend like be, they'll play nice and then eventually the Sim- things will simmer and then they'll burst and the, the super elite will explode. I think this is like the big fissure point, maybe. Um, so I think Red Dragon's going to win the belts. I think if it's the fissure point, I think that that means the Jurassic Express retains. And I agree with you, it, it is. But I think it's just kind of the... If, the, if they're going to do that and the super elite explodes, they don't need the tag belts in there for that. Yeah. yeah. So... It's 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 a little weird in that the, uh, the the champions have had almost nothing to do with this this match coming up, 
other than Jungle Boy saying he likes three ways. Uh, real use of the uh, John Silver Anna J meme into mine. John- so, y- your man likes three ways, huh? Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think they the champs retain, and I think that it, there, will be, there will be a visual spot of the Young Buck clearly would have won except for something that Red Dragon does, and that sets up that side of the elite as the the heels against the babyface elite. Yeah, they'll break up a pin probably. Maybe now I'm on your side. I've I've, I've <laughs> radically changed my position. I think the but you've convinced me with when your DSA is allowed to do that. logic. <laughs> they had a struggle session, all right. <laughs> uh, we don't need, we don't have enough time for a struggle session on that. <laughs> uh, I'll just you know. Um, yeah, like Nate was saying, uh, Jurassic Express has really had nothing to do with this. So I think that it's just going to be a, a, they're going to retain, uh, and maybe they'll get back to the Ray Phoenix and, uh, Penta feud once Phoenix heals his Gumby bones, as, uh, Zach likes to say. Um, but yeah, it just feels like, well, we don't know what to do with them now that they've won the title, so we're just going to, you know put some matches together um so yeah i'll just say that the Jurassic express retains all right oh i i totally buy the logic for some reason i i feel like the young bucks just can't keep the belts off themselves this long and will incorporate it into the feud even though your lot the logic is strong for some reason i just feel like they can't avoid not having these belts again i feel like they've i feel like they've actually done a pretty decent job not like I mean, they're the only two-time champs. I mean, I think they only won the belt once, and I think, I think they recognize they don't want to hold the belts forever. I think they are not as like selfish as they sometimes come off on that. But uh, yeah, let's keep going. Uh, Brian Danielson versus John Moxley. Uh, fuck, <laughs> it's a tough thing to toss up for me to think of. Um, I think Moxley. I'd like to see Moxley beat up Daniels. I just, I, I want to see this match, so I just, I'm just gonna do a coin flip to say Moxley. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're probably right, Zach. I don't know where it's going. This, I felt the confusion in your voice. It's, I feel it too. Like I about like what what's gonna happen because it, it feels like they're teasing this team forming or like this mentor team, but then it got really confusing tonight. Like Nate brought up earlier, just the the mood of the build-up just all of a sudden shifted to like it's this like tough guy central and before it was all like teasing like we'll bleed together first and then we'll form a faction afterwards but brian this yeah it totally came off like a hill and moxley i think has got to be i don't know what they're doing if they're not going to have him kind of slotted for a title shot sometime soon as well so what did you what do you think Nate yeah I like what you're saying there I think one Mux would be a great opponent for for Paige to try and boost that reign the other thing is I just the question is where where are they going are they going to form this faction or not and if they're not and that's kind of the way I think they're going for I think then Danielson wins probably not fairly and I'm just gonna throw a throw a hail mary here on my prediction here. Claudio Castagnoli comes out. Mm. It helps Danielson win, 
and the faction that that we still get the faction, but instead of Moxley, it's Brian and Claudio. Team uppercut reunites once again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Love it. I think it's gonna be uh, Danielson, um, mainly because that'll give something for the younger people to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah, I just I feel like I'm being cantankerous because. A lot of these feuds just don't interest me uh, very much, um, but I, I think that Danielson's probably going to win just so that he can form this staple and uh, or stable and mentor younger people. Maybe get them some airtime. Who knows? Next is Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston. Chris Jericho wins. I riot. That's my opinion. <laughs> The reference is a very cool sign from back in One Night Stand 2006. Um, I think they've set that feud up enough where it's like, like it would look really bad if Eddie lost this match. They would have to like do a lot for Eddie to lose, like a lot of like back bullshit for Chris Jericho to beat him. I honestly thought a little bit of Cus Tassinoli coming up to be a new member of the Inner Circle because of uh, <laughs> Eddie bringing up like his history. Like he's been recently upping like his view because like that was a big thing that happened in Chikara where before Claudio left for WWE it was supposed to be the finals of that tournament where it's supposed to be Eddie Kingston versus Claudio and Eddie was supposed to finally beat Claudio Castanoli and like it'd be very deep, deep lore. And Eddie's been working twitter about a little bit like say oh you better not show up or something like that makes you a little thing but i think eddie like should win and like i hope he wins (laughs) claudio and chris jericho the the new real americans (laughs) y'all could skip me because we all know how i feel about jericho uh so yeah good luck eddie there is no way this makes any sense for jericho to win they've essentially said if you lose you're just a loser you you're not the the talent you people think you are how could that not, not lead to him winning? It'd be Booker T, Triple H, bad. Well, not yeah. incomplete with the racism. Yeah, that's true. Call him a street thug. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you guys. It's clean sweep for Eddie, and I feel like proud and powerful uh, kind of teach Jericho a lesson here. Like, even though that, I don't know, does that make Jericho like... A baby face coming out of this kind of weird or remain one i guess we'll see no <laughs> no it doesn't we're starting to lose our minds at this uh <laughs> this face of the revolution match we don't know who the last person is going to be on it actually it says keith lee wardlow powerhouse hobbs ricky starks orange cassidy versus ethan page or christian cage first to be determined there's a to be determined person so probably someone debuting that might be Castanoli because if it's a brass ring, it's like that's like the most on the point thing. <laughs> that would be kind of funny him winning a brass ring. But there are a lot of um, this is a hard one for me to choose because there's a lot of like like Keith Lee being somebody that's just debuting. That would be a really good statement win. Wardlow to continue his feud with uh, MJF to really like cement that face turn. Hobbs to like start. Getting Avriki, Stark's shadow, Ricky Stark's winning to like up his ante, like making more legitimate, even though he has a he has an unofficial belt, but like yeah. Um Orange Cassidy's there, so I don't think he's gonna win. So <laughs> I like Orange Cassidy, but I don't think he I think he's there just to like pop the crowd. I feel like Ethan Page would be the person to be the person to win that rampage match. That's my prediction for the prediction. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, that Wardlow is not going to win because Sean Spears is gonna try and interfere, uh, uh, bringing out a chair or something and end up hitting Wardlow or something, costing him the match. Um, so it's gonna be somebody else other than Wardlow. Um, that's my bet. It's a good bet. Didn't think of it. <laughs> uh, I I will also go with. Wardlow not winning, but here just because it's not the right time quite yet for the MGF feud, and I'll go into that more on the MGF Punk prediction. Uh, I think Christian Cage will be the uh, win the Rampage match because I think. Oh, you don't want you want Christian in a ladder match? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think looking at, at who I'm going to go Keith Lee. I think it just makes too much sense. If, if Claudio is the seventh guy, then yeah, probably him, but there, there's too much. Could that be him? Could that be Jeff Hardy? Could that be assorted other people who have uh, became, become available? I'm just going to go with Keith Lee as kind of the... Plus, they, they've got a built-in stuff with him and Team Taz going forward. I'll take the obvious route. I think Wardlow will win, and then we'll... I mean, this only gets him the shot. So that down the line, I think that uh, he'll win, and um, MJF would be in dire straits about uh, losing to Punk, most most likely. Um, and and you know, well, at least I have my belt. Give me my belt, Wardlow. I'm going with Wardlow. We're on the final three, and we'll wrap this up. <laughs> uh, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. I think I'm being swerved. I'm going Thunder Rosa still. Just like I'm gonna work myself into a shoot. I'm good. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Thunder. I think she's gonna be proven to be like the person who has Brit's number. Martinez will probably be out there to like enforce to prevent like the uh, Rebel and Jamie from interfering. And I think it'll be a decent. I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna go. It's gonna be a good match. That's my takes. <laughs> Also, I'll say Thunder as well. I feel like we got to switch it up a little bit at the that this title title scene. Uh, Jamie Hader maybe costs, and that that gives Britt something to do while Thunder has a, a small ring. But Britt probably to win it back before the year is over. Yeah, I'm just gonna echo DQ. Um, they need to change it up because uh, Britt Baker has been champion since before I started watching. Um, so it's probably time for someone else to be champion for a bit. So I went and looked it up, and she's been champion for 277 days, which was not quite as long as Hikaru Shida's uh, 372-day reign. Both of the last title changes happened in Florida pay-per-views, which is me just filling time before I could just finally say, yeah, I think Thunder Rosa's gonna... I think they've just been putting too much into her, and, and I think Britt can be without the title for a while. I think she is popular enough that she doesn't need to be champ to still be a pillar in the, in the women's division mm-hmm. yeah you can tell I'm kind of tired like I'm, I'm Pittsburgh I should theoretically be for Brit but it's like it's time she's had a healthy reign she's got long enough uh, she's got some decent matches I think some people are getting tired of her they need to like freshen it up CM Punk versus MJF in the dog collar match I think I'm going off Punk I think it's just the way they just set up with Punk bleeding, like I feel like it's just like I feel like 
MJF is like being too smug for his own good. He's getting his compens for this match. They're gonna bleed. They're gonna be <laughs> a whole mess of people that match, and I think it'll be a Punk standing tall. It's like the blow off for the Wardlow feud to set up. Punk can go other things. I think that MJF is gonna lose uh and like do the setup with Wardlow, just like you're saying zach uh i don't have any original thoughts tonight besides being a uh, cranky old man about jericho <laughs> yeah I've, i'm really i am torn on this but i i do think after punk lost at least visibly twice on one show i don't i don't think he loses here again but i also don't think this is it like, I think MJF gets the ultimate kind of, like, rub out of the feud before finally challenging for the world title, whenever that comes. Uh, what, what do you think, Nate? I have no doubt in my mind that MJF is going to win. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm from Chicago, so, you know, I'm not I'm not sticking with my hometown guys either. I think... <laughs> I, I First off, I think this, this feud has been the best thing AEW's done in the past year. I think the... They first had him come out and interested, and like the the whole off the handshake that didn't happen, wasn't that in like September, August, something like that? Before I can remember it. I mean, we're closing in on six months, so the build up has been fantastic. The promos, everything has been kind of building to this thing. Then last week, it takes this twist of MJF coming out bearing a soul, and for all that, yes, he he was doing it to to trick Punk. It was still real out there, and I think in kayfabe terms, it's real. That he had to go to a place to get Punk to drop his guard. And I think the whole... It doesn't mean as much if MJF doesn't get the win. I think... Yeah, it'll be... It'll it'll be cheating, it'll be fuckery, it'll be numbers game. And there'll be spots that looks like it, but I think this just ultimately has to put mjf into that upper stratosphere of the of the card and i think that it, it might go on longer and then punk might get a a, a win in the, in the ultimate blow off but i think it's it's this that cements that mjf is a top guy and it's this is why i don't think they go straight into a wardlow feud because i don't think you have mjf then lose a feud and you can't have wardlow lose that because this is his that would be his real f- first real feud for that reason, I think I think Wardlow just still blows it off at least as far past double or nothing and to, to all out. And I think mm-hmm. MJF wins it to, to uh, Revolution. I can't argue with that, <laughs> but I'll stick with mine just for this case. Just we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, the obvious argument is I could be completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and finally, the main event: uh, Hangman M Page versus M Cole. I think Hangman, I want him to continue, like, I really want him to, like, win this, continue to cement his reign. He really knows how to make the big matches work, and I just want him to, like, beat them. Defeat is, like, demons of the past, like, defeat, like, he defeated Kenny, which I would argue is probably, like, probably up there with, like, the Hangman and MJF storyline that you brought Nate. I think it was, like, the really good payoff, but that was, like, years of payoff (laughs) compared to, like, six months payoff, but, uh, I think, uh, I think Hangman wins. I think there might be some teasing. I think this might be a reflection of what happens with whatever happens in the tag match. Like, that might play into where the Young Bucks stick by Hangman. And that's, like, where the real split really begins, where, like, Red Dragon sticks with uh, Cole. Uh, I'm going with Hangman. I'll go with Cole. 
winning the title here. I know, I agree with Nate that that would be kind of a a lackluster title reign, but that's I think that's kind of like at least story wise, it it kind of has been or like feud wise. Like I like the matches too, I like the Danielson match, the Archer match, the Omega match. But yeah, something's missing here, and Cole has been playing like too. I think he's been playing too much. Like, what am I doing? What's going on here? And what could happen? And like, I feel like that if he if he loses and gets like fooled during this match, like it's a little too much overboard maybe for him. I feel like he's got some some kind of plan that will end with Cole and controversially coming out as champ. I kind of like what Zach said about if if Red Dragon does something dastardly to the Bucks in the tag match, and that's why, based on my prediction, Jurassic Express retains, the Bucks get their revenge by when Red Dragon comes out to try to screw Paige, the Young Bucks then push back and then because of that it's because of that that Cole loses I don't know if that's the greatest win for Paige but I think it it it's protects Adam Cole for the future and then we still we, we don't end the title on that that and hangman's reign on that particular note so yeah I think and, I, and my prediction is Paige I'm gonna go with somebody named Adam is gonna win uh, <laughs> oh, hedging your bets. Yeah, I'm hedging my bets. Really, it was Adam Pacitti from what culture? <laughs> no, but uh, I think Hangman Page is going to uh, end up retaining just because there's something, yeah, like everybody's saying, there's something missing from his reign. Uh, and I don't think they found that yet, but they're not willing to give it up um, because he puts on great matches. So, yeah, he eventually they're gonna find the right heel for him uh i just don't think they've done it yet maybe mjf that might be the heel <laughs> um yeah but that was revolution and i want to thank people who are listening um thank nate for showing up um i want to give a little shout outs because um currently with my pittsburgh dsa we're doing our annual abortion thon drive and for my little team I have to make with my chapter I've made the proletariat lariat uh, account like that's just my official one one of my rewards is uh, shout outs to people who donate and I already got uh, $30 raised and I just want to thank Anonymous for $5 Gilbert S for $25.25 and thank you for the three Patreons we have on our Patreon hopefully we'll get that bonus content going you can read my blog post about my love of wrestling that's the first thing on we can do a project with my comrade in Pittsburgh to like watch classic wrestling matches. DQ said that he's gonna start writing up uh, that book. Re- uh, I want to say book report. I feel so like <laughs> high school, elementary <laughs> school. But uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to our absent comrades Maria and Austin. I know you guys are all busy and going through some stuff, so uh, the fam is with you always. Um, yeah. I also am uh, currently working on some bonus content. If you're a sex worker uh, who watches wrestling, please reach out to me so we can collaborate on an episode. Uh, Or uh, maybe our our friends at the Hot Girl Agenda will pitch in uh, for that episode. Who knows? It could be a run-in. Well, well, I can shout out uh, Chico DSA's uh, Mutual Aid Working Group. Uh, We've got a donor box. Uh, Go to the Chico DSA on Twitter. It's our pinned tweet there. Uh, we're doing uh, unhoused support in the uh, Chico area. 
uh, distributing needed survival supplies to to campers who every every season in Chico has its challenges. We've got pa- out of the freezing season. Now we're into the allergy and rain season, and at, coming up will be the 100 uh, degree temperature season. So, just wanted to double down on the shout out to Maria and Austin. Sorry we had to future endeavor you for this episode. I think Creative will have more for you next week. And then yeah. to thank Nate for the run-in. Um, really appreciate it. <laughs> really appreciate it, your perspective. And how, deep you, how deep you went on it. Yeah. I was, was going to say one final shout out to Austin. Enjoy your Puerto Rican vacation and meeting the comrades out there. And hopefully you go like see some, I don't know if like, there will be any wrestling events there if you see them uh, report back <laughs> but uh yeah much love to you and as always everyone have a good night stay safe or good morning when you read this <laughs> um yeah see ya